Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nomenclature. My name is Brandon Henderson. My guest today is Jay Warren. Jay chose the word axiom to discuss. Um, fun fact about Jay, uh, he is not a comedian, which is the first time I've had a non-comedian on the show. He is, however, a fantastic R&B artist that I have had the pleasure of knowing for uh, the last few years. Uh, fun fact about Jay, uh, his name is not Jay uh, at all. His uh, first name is Brandon. His middle name is James. He always wanted to go by Jay because he thought it was real uh, hip and cool and stuff, but never had the opportunity until he uh, sort of became a, a star. Um, but I was introduced to him as Brandon, which is also my name. And if you have listened to the show at all, you will know that generally I will talk to my guest about the origin of their name. But this episode I did not with Jay, and I, I may not going forward, um, mostly because I'm a narcissist and would like the time for myself to talk alone without the, the distraction of some, uh, you know, uh, middling guest. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the root of, of Brandon um, is uh, Celtic. Uh, it means uh, from the Beacon Hill, or it can mean uh, like crow, like the, uh, like the bird. I don't really have much commentary on it other than um, I am definitely just as cool as uh, Brandon slash Jay Warren, um, but um, not actually in any way, shape, or form. But uh, Jay has uh, accomplished uh, many great things in his career. He has um, an album called Give Love uh, that was the first album based in Utah to hit number one on the iTunes R&B album chart. I have had the pleasure of uh, performing on the same stage as Jay, um, believe it or not, on the same night a couple of times. And people were always, always uh, disappointed in me um, before and or after uh, Jay's performance. But I am uh, very glad that we had the opportunity to sit down and discuss uh, the word axiom. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Nomenclature uh, with my very special guest, Jay Warren. Jay Warren, how are you today, man? Dude, I am wonderful. I'm great. Just living my best life during the Panasonic. The Panasonic? I mean, pandemic, yeah. I mean, either way, yeah. um, both are terrible. Am I right? Living my life during a panini. <laughs> yep. Those can be delicious. So I'm not sure that that one applies yeah. quite as well um i do have to i ask you this i feel like uh, every time we talk but um i feel like it's uh apropos for this uh, particular podcast which is recording by the way we're just going for it um oh perfect all right so don't say anything crazy or do preferably yeah, you're right um i was introduced to you uh you were introduced to me rather as brandon warren yeah um, that's right so my original uh, knowledge of you and and uh, our uh, the immediate blooming of our uh, vast and uh, amazing relationship began with me knowing you as Brandon and then um, uh, which I appreciate by the way because I need to 
remain as the sexiest Brandon. Yeah, um, I just wanted to give you that. Thanks, man. I, uh, I do appreciate it because, um, uh, you know, you had knocked me off the top spot once I met you. So, uh, it, <laughs> it's obviously changed, uh, for, uh, for fame and fortunes reasons. Uh, but it, explain to me where that came from. Why did you decide to, to change that? Okay. So long story short in seventh grade, <laughs> I, I wanted to like go by Jay's. My middle name is James. Yeah. And I was like, man, it'd be cool. Like if I went by Jay, I don't know. I was in seventh grade. It sounded sure. fun. I get it. Um, and then, but I was like, all right, well, everyone knows me as Brandon. So I can't just like up and change my name. Like that would be weird. So then in eighth grade, at the end of eighth grade, uh, my dad was in the military and he got stationed in San Diego. At the time we were living in Jersey. And so he got stationed in San Diego and I was like, oh, okay, I'm moving out to California. Like people surf and do cool stuff out there. I'm going to change my name to Jay when I go out there. Yeah. So I moved to California and then like my first day meeting people, my my cousins from New York had come with us just for like the road trip because we, we drove out there with all of our stuff. <laughs> and they ruined and so, it, didn't they? And so they're at church with us and I'm like introducing myself to people, but I was like, my cousins are here. Like I can't just start introducing myself as Jay. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm Brandon. And so then I kept going as Brandon for the next four years to, and I was like, all right, when I go to college, then I'm going to change my name to Jay. And like, that'll be cool. But then I went up to college with my same friend group from high school. Like we all got into the same college. So I was like, oh crap, like foiled again. Like I can't just go by Jay because all my friends would be like, who the heck is Jay? Like, so then um, I served a two year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And at the end of that mission, I was emailing my family and I was like, in my head, I was like, this is it. Like, this is my last shot. Like, I can't delay this anymore. Yeah. Um, so at the end of my mission, I emailed my family and I was like, hey, just so you guys know, when I get home, I'm changing my name on like all my social media and stuff to Jay. Legally, my name is still branded, but yeah. um, they're like, uh, all right. I was like, oh, that was a lot easier than I thought it was. So then I came home and changed my Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff to Jay. And here we are. Well, this is actually the perfect time for me to announce that I'm changing my name to Jay. Um, <laughs> as of right now. No, I, uh, yeah, it was just funny. Cause, uh, you know, we had met and then that switch when you, uh, you know, for performances and stuff, but this is helpful. Yeah. So the middle name is James that, and you liked Jay off of James. And it's, I think it's because, so my dad's name is Lloyd Garfield Warren, but I didn't know that until I was like 10 because wow. they were Gary, which was just short for his middle name. Yeah. Um, and I was, I, so I think that may have also had something to do with it. See, I, uh, have you had any irritation though since like, cause that's my thing. My middle name is Brandon. So it's the reverse problem. Oh yeah. My first name is Robert, but I never went by Robert. That's my dad's name mm -hmm. but since he's a massive narcissist he named me robert after him Aren't but didn't 
yeah, they are, but didn't want uh, anyone to uh, confuse us. So they always called me Brandon, which apparently was, uh, I was named after a um, TV Western of some kind called Brandon oh. or Brandon was in it. I don't know. I was named after the Brandon in Beverly Hills 90210. I want that to be absolutely true. Is that actually true? No, yeah, that's like absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> that's you guys are basically the same person, which is really cool. Yeah, it all turned out that way. Is that <laughs> is that it was was like your mom or dad like huge fan of the show, and they're just like my mom. I mean, yeah, and I don't even know that she was a huge fan of the show because I don't even remember that show being on in our house. Um, I think. Uh, yeah i don't know maybe in like before i was born she was a big fan of it or something like that but that's where she told me she got the name from wow that's that's actually fantastic yeah and very surprising i'm trying to remember when that show went off the air what like late 90s maybe something like that yeah something i mean like that? i was still I'm, i was i was born in 91 and so i don't remember the show as yeah you were yeah you were a lad um lad yeah uh and me being 8,000 years old. I remember it very clearly. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, have you had any like irritation with the name uh, since? Because like, that's one of the things that always drove me nuts. And you skipped it because you didn't have to really do it in school was mm -hmm. I'd be in class and they'd be like, Robert, Robert. And I'd always have to be like, it's Brandon. And then as an adult, <laughs> as an adult, I, um, you know, you get mail when you, uh, you know, sign up for stuff. It's like, well, what do I do? Do I say Robert and have them just call me Robert when they call and not have the irritation of like trying to explain stuff or getting things mixed up or do we put Brandon and, and try to smooth it out? So it's, it's always driven me nuts. And it gives me a very, very small, small, small glimpse into the utterly insane practice of women taking on their husband's names, which by the way, I've, you know, I've been married twice. Both of uh, these women have done this, um, have taken on my last name uh, yeah. for obvious reasons um who wouldn't want to right. um but what a nightmare it is you know my yeah. my wife you know was uh an adams her whole life and then she married a meffert and then she married uh me a henderson and just the insanity of like oh yeah that account has my married name my my, my first married name and oh, that thing has my uh my maiden name and this has my new married name i just it's crazy balls that we expect yeah, that thing. It is. So, I mean, there are two questions there, right? The irritations that I've received are pretty much the same in what you've received in adult life. Like sometimes when I go to like pick up an order or something like that, like I can't remember if I've used my legal name <laughs> or if I've used J. Yeah. And so I try to split it up based on like, okay, if the government is involved, I'll use Brandon. Yes. And if they're not involved, then I just use J. But then there are some times where there are things where it's like, well, you have to put the name that's on your credit or debit card, which is Brandon. Yeah. And then I don't remember. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't remember if I placed this under J or Brandon. And uh, yeah, so that actually just happened to me like two weeks ago. I was just going to pick something up and the girl, I was like, yeah, it's on a Brandon Warren. And she's like, I can't find it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's probably under J and then she yeah. found it. But, um, and then, yeah, my wife taking on my name. Yeah, that is, it's, that's such an interesting practice because like I see the utility in it in yes. having 
one's family all have the same last name because like you guys are just easily identifiable as being related or married yep. um but it it certainly is a headache like my wife and I were married for almost two years before she changed her name and the only reason that she really changed it was because we were about to have our first son and yeah. we were like well I think we'd like both of our names to be the same on his birth certificate which we didn't even end up ordering so yeah I don't yeah, know it, I mean there like you say there is utility to it for sure I mean um and and you know the hyphenated name I, I have no issue with the problem is is like at what point do you stop because if like uh if my wife and I hyphenated and we we're like Henderson Adams or Adams Henderson, mm -hmm. and then our kids, you know, had that name and then they took on the hyphenated name of someone that they married, uh, before you know it, I mean, you're going to have like 45 hyphenated names. It's right. going to become bananas unless you like, you know, combine or make up a, a completely different last name for yourself. Dude, well, that's a, I kind of like what the old, um, what the old Scandinavian countries used to do. To where your last name was just your dad's name and then son or daughter like thor's daughter yes or adam's son like, yes like oh well, great well yeah you're adam's well, kid all right i know who you are yeah and a lot of those i mean those names still exist for sure like you know like mm -hmm. garrison adams you know johnson or whatever like those things still exist it would be cool to kind of go back to that in some in some respects um, there's, uh, I have a, a, a friend whose last name, I, uh, is, uh, F-A-G-G. -G. Oh, that's amazing. And so it's a bunch of his friends, rather a bunch of his brothers changed, changed their last name to, to Garrison because their dad's name is Gary. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, for clear reasons, but he, he keeps it and he just says, uh, you know, my name is, uh, you know, so-and-so fag, two G's. Two G's. And he just uh, specifies. Hard to forget. Hard to forget. Hard to forget. Um, but how does, uh, uh, how is, how is your lovely wife, Annie, doing, by the way? How is life with the, the pandemic and these two boys locked in a, uh, oh in a house together? Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. I think, beginning of the pandemic was certainly easier because so we had uh, our second boy in february of 2020 and then like the next month everything shut down and i mean you know this but when you have a kid like you kind of expect to go into a little bit of a lockdown because you know like baby doesn't have an immune system and so you kind of just stay inside for, especially if you have a winter baby yeah like you're not really going anywhere and so for the first for the first few months, honestly, we were pretty fine. Like not too much had changed. Um, obviously me doing music and shows canceling and things like that really sucked, but I had just signed a distribution deal. And so like there was still income and money coming in and things like that. And so we were lucky in that sense. Um, actually, we weren't lucky. I worked really hard for that. So, <laughs> yeah. That, it wasn't yeah. Luck. yeah good timing. <laughs> um yeah it was it was good timing that that's yeah that, that's a better way of saying that um yeah and then winston is he'll be four in april so basically his whole third year of life has been indoors 
And that has been difficult. Yeah, man. I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, when you're three, literally all you want to do is run. Like there's no direction in it. There's no purpose to it. Like you just want to run and move and do things. And yeah, inside of our like three bedroom condo, it's just like not ideal circumstances for running. Um, Yeah. So that, that, I think that's been tough on him and on us because we're like pulling our hair out like, Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Yeah. But, um, I mean, we're, we're counting our blessings, if you will, that everyone's been healthy. None of us have gotten sick. Um, yeah. And we're still alive, you know, still have income and things like that. So yeah, we're all right. Well, that's fantastic. Um, it is rough. I mean, everybody knows I have a trillion kids and so yeah. it is, it is tricky uh, and, and hard to figure out in some ways I've been, if there is anything that I've been happy about for the pandemic, it has been the sort of slowing down of life and being forced, uh, me being forced to have to like be more interactive with my kids and like be more creative and be like, okay, seven hours of TV straight is not good. (laughs) Let's Uh, maybe we should turn off blues clues. Like yeah, yeah. Long time. Yeah, if I'm starting to think like Steve is looking attractive, I need to turn it off. And, yeah, yeah, it's and, probably uh, good. We're past Blue's Clues, fortunately. We're we're starting to like the three older kids are, uh, even even like my son. We can watch the two oldest. We can watch. We were bad parents. We watch literally anything with them. And then yeah, uh, the the other the two next. Um, we can watch you know entertaining stuff. You know, up to a soft PG thirteen. Yeah, and then. The, the youngest one, uh, you know, it's just all like Italian mafia dramas. It's all Goodfellas and Casino and stuff. <laughs> She's a crazy person. Um, no, so it, it does help there. But yeah, trying to get out and like interact more and be outside when it's not a, you know, a snowy blizzard and stuff. It's been really good in a lot of ways. So it's not, you know, not, not to be insensitive of uh, the obvious horrors and tragedies and stuff. It's There has been some silver lining for me. Um, does, does Annie call you Jay or Brandon? I need to know this. Oh, it it absolutely depends on the mood that she's in. (laughs) So if you're in trouble, it's, it's one. It's Brandon. Yeah. Oh boy. That's not even an exaggeration in (laughs) any sense. Like it is 100% dependent on the mood that she's in. I guess that's not true. It's 99% dependent. Oh, I get you. Sometimes we're around, um, like my family Yeah. and they're calling me Brandon. She'll just call me Brandon. Um, but yeah, if she's upset or if she needs to get my attention really quickly, then it's yeah. Well, you know what? In some ways, that's it's a nice. It's sort of like a signifier. It's like if her like eyes turned red, like you knew. Yeah. It's like oh, exactly. you don't have to guess. Yeah, she's like oh, that's my government name. I should pay attention. <laughs> Being called by my full government name, I wish you know how like with kids. Um, you know, they get in trouble and you're like, uh, I'm like Truman Robert Henderson. See, I also did that to my son. I gave him the name, but in the middle, so I'm not <laughs> quite as bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you pull the full name out or whatever. Um, I wish it was, <laughs> I wish if kids got in trouble, they they had to call you by your name. I feel like that would be <laughs> better in a weird way. Like uh, clean your room. Uh, I don't want to, dad. Be like, it's Brandon. Um, Brandon. I'm not sure what oh, the... Yeah. Um, um, 
other than just be like a cool, a funny scene in a sitcom, I don't know that it would do anything. <laughs> I don't think it would do anything. I did have a, I did have a show where um, my uh, my guest, uh, Jason Collins, who's a a rad standup, did a, a cho- he chose the word dad, and we you know, did a bunch of research on that word. And one of the things that was really weird is that there are legit people who call their dads father instead of dad. There was a time where people uh, required their kids to call them uh, sire, uh, which is just unfortunate on on multiple levels. It's just very, very odd and uh, God complex. Um, But speaking of words, you chose a very uh, uh, interesting word. So uh, axiom or axiomatic um, is a word you chose. Tell me, tell me why, why this word? Um, okay, so when you asked what word I wanted to pick, um, truthfully, that was like the first word that came to my mind. Sure. I don't know why. Well, I think the reason why is because I think that was the last word that I had to look up the definition for because I didn't know what it meant. Like I was was yeah. watching something and someone said axiomatic and I was like, I should probably Google that because I don't know what the rest of the sentence means. Um and yeah, so I think that was why it was the first word that came to my head because I think it's the last word that I've had to look up the definition for. Nice. Well, it's a it's an interesting word. It's 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 one of those words, um, and I don't know, you know, I haven't looked up every single word in the world, but it seems more rare when a word um, doesn't change its meaning in some way, shape, or form over the centuries. Mm. Um, this seems to be one that has really not changed all that much since it. Uh, you know, became a word. Um, so uh, it's a, it's a, you know, ancient Greek word, which you should, you know, is probably not surprising. So it's been around for a long, long time. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, axiom is, is the base for axiomatic. Um, the interesting thing about this, uh, and I'm interested to talk to you about some of this stuff. So just definition and, and some of the background first. So, sure. um, so an axiom is a statement that is, is taken to be true. Uh, and it's basically like it, it, it's a starting point. It's a baseline idea. It's the premise for further reasoning or arguments. Right? So um, it comes from the Greek, uh, that which is thought worthy or fit, or that which commends itself as evident. So every idea and argument has to start with an assumption, right? You got to make an assumption that, okay, um, you know, the sky is blue. Therefore, um, you know, when I look at uh, the sky, I'm going to see something is blue and based off of whatever, this is a terrible example, but self-evident things, you don't need to sit there and explain why something is real or true. Um, Yeah. So this idea that nothing can be deduced if nothing is assumed. So uh, axioms um, are basic assumptions underlying a given body of deductive knowledge. They're accepted without demonstration. So, um, you know, if you're a religious person, when you go into church, the assumption baseline assumption is that God exists. Like nobody's sitting there, you know, at most churches, I would say, arguing about the existence of God. So in that context, God's existence is an axiom. It's a baseline, uh, assumption that that is real. However, 
you go into say, you know, certain universities or you go into a bar or whatever, and a group of people, the baseline assumption may be God does not exist. And then the conversation has to stand on top of that. And so hence the reason why you have all these arguments a lot of the time is people have different axioms that they're standing on and coming uh, and arguing about. The thing is, it's like, the thing that's tricky about it is like an axiom can't be disproven. Okay. It, it can be inconsistent based off of context. Right. Hmm. But it, it's basically more about finding the context wherein that axiom is true or is consistent rather. It's always true. Just maybe inconsistent to somebody else's uh, given philosophy. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So it's, it's an idea or an assumption that is true within a certain context. Yes. So by their own sort of baseline, by its own baseline meaning, axioms are inherently true, even if inconsistent. The worst is the sort of like, yeah, greatest uh, breakdown it can have is that it's it's not consistent in every given context, but it's basically used like rolling a uh, uh, you know big wheel until you get around to where the the context fix fits your specific axiom. Okay, so okay. Just baseline yeah. ideas, right? So it has to be based in some sort of some sort of logic, um, even if in a different context that logic doesn't make complete sense, right? Um, okay. I get it. Yeah, and yeah. and I feel like you know that's a big. I mean, that's not to make this uh, political or whatever, but that's a big reason why you have all these arguments um, between Trump Trump supporters and not, for example, because Trump exactly supporters, yeah, Trump supporters axiom or axioms um, are completely different. Their baseline assumptions, their baseline logic starts at a completely different place than other political beliefs, right? They believe you know, that, uh, you know, certain groups like QAnon or whatever believe that Trump is, is sort of this modern day savior in a way that he is taking down, uh, you know, the deep state is taking down these pedophile rings that, mm -hmm. you know, in some cases he's called of God and he's all these sorts of things. And so anybody pressing against that concept, no matter how logical uh, their arguments or how illogical the other side's arguments are based off of that that axiom it's very 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 hard to get anybody to think differently and the same thing with religion same thing with atheism same thing with anything if you can't right. see things from somebody else's baseline assumptions you're really never going to get anywhere that's i've like especially with like, trump supporters versus uh, the left if you will um that's, or I guess not even the left because there are people on the right that are not Trump supporters as well. But um, I, I often wonder like how good of a job American culture is doing at helping people who so like, so deeply believe that Trump is the savior of the country. Right. Like, I wonder if, if we're going about that conversation well. Because to me, I mean, it just seems like the divide gets further and further as opposed to 
really helping anyone see that perhaps their axioms, or I don't know if you'd say this that way, but their axioms aren't the best. Like, are we pushing people further or are we helping? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, my thing is, is like, I think that we are approaching things way from way too shallow uh, starting point. You know, it's like, mm the 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 baseline belief is so deep down and we're attacking like um uh, i don't know we're we're attacking um you know the the def, you know defend or defund the police versus defend the police or whatever mm-hmm. yes that's an argument to have for sure i'm not saying that's not a worthy argument however the the places that people are coming from to either support or or fight against whichever side is so far below that that right. Right. you know to really root it out it's like um well in uh it was like south africa right during um apartheid. apartheid um they had um i can't remember what it was called there's a, a phrase for it but um they had all these trials right where they put the system on trial as opposed to the individuals who per, uh perpetuated the system right so they basically gave immunity to the people that uh even did horrible things which there are a lot of arguments as to that being not the right choice however um the idea being that like hey we need to know exactly how this system worked and why it was so terrible the only way people are going to tell us is if we give them immunity and so that was you know so that we can find out what was wrong and root it out from the base right and uh in some ways, I, I wonder if that's what's required in order to like really, you know, dig out the cancer, so to speak. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's, those are the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Um, that, that would be really interesting to see in America. Do we currently have people who consciously know the things that they are doing or contributing to are oppressive or unjust in some sense. And if we were to give them immunity, perhaps they would address those things openly. Yeah. It's, it's tough because on like the one side, there's always culpability. If you're an adult um, and you have the, the will to choose or the ability to choose, you know, right from wrong Um, to a certain extent, everybody does. Um, again, your axioms might be different than others. And so your perception of right and wrong might be a little bit different, but like the big choices, you know, um, so on the one hand, you know, the desire for justice, uh, for individuals that did horrendous things is very, very powerful. But, you know, the question is, is how do you, you know, you can, you can throw person X in jail for the rest of their lives or execute them or whatever, and feel like you got justice, but the system's just going to churn out another version of that horrible person eventually if, if right. they're a product of that, you know? And so it's, it's tough. I don't know if there's a way, maybe there's a way to do both. That would be fantastic. But I, you know, the nature of human beings, it's, it seems uh, tricky at best. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I think because specifically in America, like the the struggles between black and white people in America are so nuanced 
that I think we've reached a point now where it's like, I, I don't even know that if you were to give immunity to a set of individuals in order to break down the system, that that would satisfy the current anger right with in people which i would say i mean assuming that this is a possibility and that it would work um i mean i would think that would be a great move forward but yeah i mean based on you know the reaction every time a police officer is let off for shooting someone whether justly or not it doesn't look like that would satiate people's anger no well and you know uh, it's it's a centuries old uh anger i mean that's the thing is it's like even if a situation is dealt with justly which feels like almost never happens you know especially when it comes to you know police brutality um even if it's dealt with justly it's like okay um what about the other hundreds of years of horrible um, actions and oppression and um, everything else leading up to it? You know, what about all of that? Um, this is great. Thank you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but not even thank you. It's just like baseline. You know, it's like it's it's the whole um, it's the Black Lives Matter. I can't remember who said who said it. There's a comedian that was I, I believe that was talking about it like. Um, that, that it, it, oh, I think it was, uh, oh man, on weekend update. Um, SNL. Yeah. Not, uh, I can't remember, but, uh, talking about how just like, just black lives matter is controversial. It's like, they just matter. They're just fine. Like they matter enough. I get, you know, can we just, can they just matter please? Um, that, that being controversial is such a bananas uh, indictment on uh, the American system and the American way of thinking and those sort of racist baselines that, um, you know, it, it, there's so much um, undone yet. So l- let me ask you something. So living in Utah yeah. currently, which I don't know if people know this, is a, a pretty conservative state, surprise. <laughs> um, but uh, There's, I think, two Democrat counties in the state. Yeah, it's uh, it's intense. Um, during the, all of the stuff, I mean, there's one thing. So there's the pandemic, but uh, in the middle of all that, obviously, there's tons of uh, sort of social upheaval and and uh, protests and and things. Have you had a, many interactions with with people in the states that have been surprising? Has it been pretty much par for the course? Like, what's it been like for you in the state of Utah? Um, during all the sort of like social upheaval, not just the the coronavirus. So all things considered, I would say that the passing of George Floyd may have been like the catalyst to one of the most productive conversations in American history. Yeah. Because... I think I think if for anyone to assume that those conversations were going to go smoothly or that there wasn't going to be 
fire and brimstone at every corner would would have just been like a naive opinion yeah. because of the the history that our country has with race and racism but <clears throat> yeah i mean the conversations that i've had some have been intense and like i'm i'm not one that really ever gets to yelling point but um yeah some of those conversations have been really intense and people on both sides of the aisle so to speak um, but at the same time, majority of those conversations are for the first time, from what I can estimate, white Americans are recognizing that the conversations about race in their homes look very different than the conversations about race in black homes. Um, my wife is white and obviously <clears throat> we love each other and we're very committed to our relationship. So any conversation that we have about race takes into account that like the conversation isn't going to end with a big F you at the end. Right. Um, so yeah, like her telling me about her conversations about race, which from what I can assume would probably be most white people's is that like, yeah, you know, we treat everyone equally. We don't hate people because of the color of their skin. Um, and Martin Luther King kind of ended racism, <laughs> which when he was murdered. He, yeah, yeah. When he was murdered before they passed the Civil Rights Act of 1968. But yeah. yes, yeah. Um, but like, if you went to American public school K through 12, it would make perfect sense to me that you just believe. Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves and Martin Luther King ended racism. Yep. Cause that's, that's the tenor in which it's taught. Um, whereas in my home, the conversation was, um, I, I remember in fifth grade, I came home with permission slip that our, our school's district was working with the county police to like fingerprint all of the children so that and to create this database so that if a kid got kidnapped but left their fingerprint somewhere, we would be able to say like, oh yeah, look, here's their fingerprint. They're, you know, they've been here before. And I came home with this permission slip and my mom was like, no way, not a chance. You are not putting your fingerprint in any police system. And I was like, what, what for? And she was like, so that you won't be the poor black kid that when they need a fingerprint to solve a crime, that they just pull it from this database and no one asks any questions because you're the black kid. So obviously you did it. And I was like, oh, like that was my first, I think like realization that, oh, perhaps the system isn't the same for, for all of us. Um, and so, yeah, like our conversations about race and uh, relationships with police and things like that look, just looked very different from what Annie's conversations looked like. Not to say that there was anything inherently wrong with the way that you know Annie and her family talked about race. It's just that from their point of view, everything was you know pretty pretty good. Like yeah, things are much better than they were in the 1960s. And yeah. from my parents' point of view, it was yes, things are better, but like be on your toes. Right. Which, I mean, that conversation um, that your mom has with you at that age is 
so outside the scope of any white person, um, that conversation doesn't happen to your point and to try to empathize or understand that is very, very difficult for, I think, I think any white person, because we just don't, like you say, we don't have to have that conversation. It's like, yeah, if you make a mistake, it is, or, or even if you don't make a like consequences are attached to your actions only not to preconceived notions and your actions or potentially lack of actions. There's a baseline uh, danger that exists um, for black Americans that just does not exist for, uh, for whitey over here. We just don't have it. And uh, it's really hard to, you know, to fully conceptualize what that's like. I, I think I think it's been very, very positive and beneficial. It's been beneficial for my kids who are all white uh, during Mm -hmm. all of this, uh, you know, social upheaval. It's been very positive for them ultimately in terms of just like conceptualizing certain things. They're a lot further than I ever was at that age. Right. Uh, But, you know, I, I think just to like knee jerk understand that there is a, um, foundational difference. There's a, there's different, again, different axioms yeah. that, we, that we're standing on from the base. You know, we, you know, I'm standing on and always have been taught and, and stood on a base of, uh, you know, the police will always tell the truth. The police, you know, if you ever have a problem, go and talk to them. They will protect you. There's nothing to worry about whatsoever. Right. And for me, since since fifth grade, the the conversation about police has been stay away from them at all costs. And if you do end up having to talk to police, don't say anything until your parents are there or your lawyer is there. Um, and I think the second thing that I remember about like learning about police was, gosh, what year would this have been? I, I think I would have been in like in middle school, but there was there was a Haitian man in New York named Abner Luima. And oh, I just Googled it. Okay, so it was in 97. So I was six. Um, oh, so yeah, I was I was young. Um, but I remember this like very vividly. That so this man is a Haitian immigrant in New York, and he was arrested by NYPD. Um, and they just brutalized him. I mean, like, put, uh, I think, like, a, a plunger up his up his anus and just, like, wrecked his insides and beat him, and it, it was bad. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember, so my parents, so he's Haitian, and my parents are both from the Caribbean, and I remember my parents telling me, like, this is kind of what happens in America to people that aren't from America and that look like us. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all right. Like, all right, that's just, that's how it is. All right, well, I, I better make sure I don't get arrested or like things yeah. like that. Cause like the rules are, are just different. Um, yeah, like that, that's, that was my coming up with this is how police are. Interesting. It, it's a, 
it's it's pretty crazy. I, I feel like white Americans in particular, and and you know, I grew up in Canada, but up there too. Um, and I think probably, uh, in many, many countries around the world, white people are, uh, taught that there are, um, that people are going to, um, like other kinds of people are a danger to them. And that like, you know, and that I, I feel like, and you know, tell me if you think this is at all accurate, I feel like growing up especially in America, um, as a black person, potential, you know, just to try to, for me to try to understand this a little bit better is almost, you know, the reverse in the sense that other people, so other, so white people, other people are going to attack you because they're bad for growing up in, and like as a black person in America, potentially, uh, people are going to attack you because they think you're bad. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very accurate. I would say, yeah, because it's but like when I was in elementary school, my parents it was <clears throat> like I had to wear sweater vests and I could never wear like sneakers to school. Dude, but my parents always told me like in in elementary school, my te- my principal's secretary called me GQ, just because again like I wore sweater vests and uh, like school shoes instead of sneakers um but my parents reasoning was like look they have to see you as twice as good for you to get treated the same like if you walk in in a t-shirt and sneakers the assumption about you is that you're you know just a kid from the block and they're going to treat you as such but if you dress this way and talk this way then you'll be accepted as I, I i don't want to say as one of their own because that wasn't necessarily the case but you'll be treated as one of their own perhaps. right which um you know is very very fucked up it is right yeah it's 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 crazy it's it's crazy and sometimes i wonder like is that is that necessary? Is it racism, or does it just look like racism on the surface? And is it really like majority versus minority? Because I think if you were to go to, um, well, I, so I've I've been to Canada twice, three times now, and but I've only ever been to Alberta. Yeah. And I I asked people and talked to people about the tension between Canadians and first and the First Nations people. Yep. Um, and although, you know, how, how do you say that grammatically? Like First Nations people or people of the First Nations? Is there yeah, a- I, uh, yeah, First Peoples, Indigenous. Um, yeah. Okay. I, so although they were not enslaved, there still is this strong tension between Canadians, at least in Alberta, and above Canadians and people, indigenous people. Um, and so part of me wonders then, okay, well, if that tension still exists there, like, is it white versus black or white versus First Nations, or is it majority versus minority? 
Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's, I'm sure probably the answer is yes. I, uh, you know, but you know, at the same time, you have a, for example, we talked about earlier with apartheid. I mean, white people were the minority, right? Mm, yeah, um, that's a good point. That's a good point. So I, I think it's, I'm sure it's a, a, any number of things. I mean, I think race. I think it's, uh, without a doubt. Obviously, been always a major factor. I think just difference. There's people, you know, the IRA the, um, in Ireland, you know, Protestant versus Catholic, you know, they all look the same, but, you know, they're blowing each other up because of different belief systems. Um, you know, I, I think just difference, you know, again, different, not to you know, beat the dead horse, but different axioms, different baselines. You look different, you act different, you think different, you are different, whatever that is, um, yeah. just makes people stupid. Um, you know, and the, you know, I grew up in Alberta, I grew up next to what I think is the biggest land wise, uh, reservation in North America, um, the Blackfeet reservation up there. And mm-hmm. the, um, you know, enslaved in the, in the same way as, as African-Americans, obviously not, but, um, completely and utterly, removed from their, um, you know, their belief systems, their identity, their, their land. I mean, so many of those reservations, if not all, you know, almost entirely all of every reservation in the world is not where those people are from. You know, it's like they had ancestral lands for generations and generations and, you know, governments came in and said, Hey, this is now your land. We're going to build a mall on, you know, with the malls back then, or we're going to build a city yeah. hall and a bunch of houses on, you know, your sacred burial ground or wherever we want to. And it's, uh, you know, and Canada was just as horrible as the U.S. was to its first peoples. And uh, we continue to have a terrible relationship as a result and continue to be horribly responsible for you know, terrible conditions and, and I mean, third world country, I don't know if that's politically correct anymore, but very rough circumstances on those, a lot of those reserves. Um, and that's the responsibility of the governments that created those things, you know? And the tricky thing for me that I figured out too, is like white people, (laughs) liberal white people. Oh, bless. Oh man. Yeah. We're the worst. Um, (laughs) You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I'm a liberal dude. I, I, I swear, I'm leaning really hard into like anarchy these days. I just don't believe in any garbage or system of government. I think, I think that patriotism is ridiculous. I think that people become idiots when they become really patriotic. I think uh, the whole like U.S. being the best country in the world or any country, I don't care what it is, is just maybe the dumbest statement that's ever been said. Um, Mm-hmm. But, but uh, with that being said, I still have a lot of these uh, uh, sort of white liberal tendencies to be like, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a support. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm here, you know, kind of thing. And and it, it can bleed into just such stupidity as well. Like my my brother and I are both adopted. He's Native American. And for like years, like out of, you know, and I look up to my brother, he's like my idol is one of my best friends. And like, I, for years would be, it would become very defensive to the point where I'm like, I'll handle it. You know what I mean? 
even yeah. with even when he's not around, like you know, somebody's talking about something with to do with the First Nations people, and I'm like, well, let me tell you, my brother is one of these folks, so I can talk about it. I don't know shit. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know anything. I don't. I don't have. You know, I have at best a very uh, peripheral tiny tiny glimpse into into some semblance maybe slightly more than the average person just because we grew up together but even then man like i don't know um and it's got it like it drives me nuts like it's taken me a while to sort of like pull back and realize what a jackass i'm being um but it's got a uh, i don't know how, how do you deal with irritating liberal white people <laughs> yeah gosh i mean What's, I think what's difficult is that there, there isn't a very clear message or a very clear path forward for white people that want to help. Yeah. Because on, on one hand, you know, we could say, all right, well, white people, if you want to help, like we need you to go out and tell the other white people because they'll listen to you. Um, we need you to tell them how it is. Like here, we'll tell you and then you go tell them how it is. Um, and that's perhaps one way of going about it. But then the con to that is that, okay, well now you have white people telling the story of black people to people who don't even necessarily believe that those injustices are happening. Right. So is it better to just get it directly from the horse's mouth or is it better to get it from someone who perhaps you're more inclined to listen to? Um, but then you also have the issue of like li liberal white people who uh, perhaps unknowingly are making the same mistake that those on the far right are making because those on the far right are saying, hey, all black people are uh, lazy and don't deserve X, Y, and Z, right? Like if you're a racist, yep. that's what you believe. You, you categorize the entire group <clears throat> or you judge the entire group. And people on like the far left they do the exact same thing, but their judgment is different in saying that, hey, all black people need my help yeah, and need what I can offer to them. And so then any black person that says, you know what, like, I'm good. I'm an accountant. I have my family. We live a, a nice life. I don't necessarily need whatever it is that you're offering. Well, then they're now the traitor to the black cause that white liberals are forcing on them. Right. So then, I'll, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing to navigate. Personally, I just, I think it comes down to like personal responsibility and just adopting the most amount of responsibility that you as an individual can handle. And then living up to those responsibilities and generally speaking your life should turn out better than worse um but i don't know i guess that's just me well i think uh 
I think it's uh, I don't know. It's it's just a, it's such a complicated thing. I it's very very interesting to get all these kinds of perspectives, and it's helpful for me to not be quite as much of a douchebag. Um, and look, I, I I did it here. I'm like uh, I, I pulled it immediately into all these uh, social conversations. It's well, to be fair, that's where my brain went. I mean, yeah. <laughs> coming, coming off of the year that we're coming off of, I don't <laughs> think that's unnatural by any means. Um. I do want to say, so uh, first of all, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on this. You're, you're my first and only non-comedian guest on this podcast. Oh, good. And maybe it's a funny episode. It's been hilarious. Yeah. Um, and uh, maybe it'll open it up to more Brandons and Jays to come on. Um, <laughs> I do have to say, though, like we did, as you know, uh, it feels like 8,000 years ago now, but did a, I, I invited you to come and be the musical guest at a comedy show yeah. that I put on um, some years ago. And uh, <laughs> I will always remember like you, you were basically kind of like in the middle, you were like the halftime show yeah. for, you know, you were bookended by ridiculous comedians and um, anybody that is unfamiliar with your music, it is incredibly, um, and I, I don't say this lightly. You have one of the best voices I've heard, period, ever. Just natural voices. You have this incredible, uh, silky, sexy voice. And uh, uh, you got up and just did like a, an acoustic uh, couple of songs and uh, got everybody very, very hot and bothered. And I, it was a, such uh, an awesome performance, but also I think a terrible, terrible mistake for comedy. Um, <laughs> we had this like, we had like three comedians before you and then you got up and like everyone was completely mesmerized and uh, in the mood to, you know, take things home, if you know what I mean. And then, and then uh, you know, I'm getting up and being like, um, hey, have you ever had diarrhea or whatever the hell my jokes were about? <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you what, man, it was, uh, it was something else, but... I, we need to do that again. There's there's something fantastic always about music and comedy. I feel like there's, and maybe it's just because comedians want it to overlap because music musicians are so cool. But there, I, I do think that there's something uh, very very similar in terms of just sort of like the rawness of rawness. Listen to me, of of performing <laughs> and just like sort of just being you and and getting up on stage and just like throwing it out there and the energy between an audience and and the performer and all that stuff. So. We do need no, it is. I mean, it, it works for SNL. They do a good job of music and comedy, and they haven't gotten canceled yet. They've gotten close, but it's working for them. And they just keep going, don't they? They just keep going. Michael Che keeps getting away with it. Yes, it was Michael Che. That's who it was that was talking about it. That oh, was the, oh I, I couldn't remember his name for some reason. Um, I can't remember anything. I, I, I went to get some food. Uh, last night we had we had like a gift card somebody gave us to a local restaurant up here and i went and we we're like yeah we're gonna get like tons of food because of this gift card because we're cheap and uh and i went and i did not even use the gift card and my wife has yet to find out about it so oh, this is my great. plug my plug to put in see if she find i mean she you know we, we, she'll she'll find out one way or the other but let's see if she actually listens to this podcast to the end and <laughs> finds out that i unnecessarily spent uh, money on food anyway That's uh, uh thanks for coming on uh on the old podcast man it's been great to it. and we are um wait what what city are you in technically i know salt lake but 
Yeah, Salt Lake City. Um, uh, I guess Cottonwood Heights. You are. I I've yeah. been to your place, but it's been a while. We are moving to like Mill Creek North Holiday. Oh, okay. Yeah, you'll be just north of us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're we're gonna need to hang out when it is safe and responsible to do so. Probably not, but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Okay. The, the safe and responsible are not hanging out. I, yeah, I mean, I'll leave that to you to decide. Okay. Yeah. Wicked. Sick burn. Um, oh man. All right, man. I appreciate the time. You're you're uh, you're the best uh, the best Brandon I know. I appreciate it, dude. Thanks for having me on.